0: and finishing your very own oncology case report. Save your seat today at the OncoPT.com framework. Again, that's the OncoPT.com framework. Once cancer stops, patients are oftentimes left by themselves to pick up the pieces of their kind of their life. And sometimes it's shattered after a cancer diagnosis and then cancer treatment. And oftentimes their physical function and their health has changed dramatically since before their cancer diagnosis. And one of the most critical areas where this happens is nutrition. And a lot of times our patients are even coming to us, the physical therapist, and saying, what should I eat? What should I do now that I'm done with cancer treatment? Well, I brought an expert on the podcast to talk about exactly that. Welcome to
1: the Onco PT Podcast, where you'll learn from oncology experts, practitioners, and patients to help you on your journey to become a confident and competent OnCo PT. Here's your host, Elise Decker.
0: So Stacey Roberts is an oncology-registered dietitian who loves and is obsessed with the the survivorship, the life after the diagnosis and after treatment for these patients and their nutrition and their and their health and well-being. So Stacy, welcome to the OncoPT podcast.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here and talk to you about this.
0: <laughs> so we were nerding out a little bit before the podcast. So I'm really <laughs> excited to have this conversation. What exactly do you do in your work?
1: Yeah. So I love food and I love nutrition and working with people with cancer just fell into my lap. Like just getting a job. They told me I was going to work on the oncology floor. And back then I had no idea what oncology meant. So I had to look it up. I'm like, cancer. Like I just, at that point I was like, I don't understand. Like, how am I going to help someone with cancer with nutrition? I just felt like It's cancer, you eat what you want, but then after working with the patients and realizing, oh my God, nutrition is such a big part of it. I fell in love and 15 years later, I am here. Um, But I did fall in love with too. is, I love working with people during treatment, but after treatment is what I really enjoy doing because I feel like these clients are, they go through treatment, they have all these people helping them and on top of them. And then all of a sudden they're like, blown to the wind and no one there to help them. So that's why I work with them to help them try to prevent from reoccurrence because that's the biggest fear that they have is that they don't want this to come back. They don't wanna to have to go through treatment again. So, okay, what could we do? What lifestyle changes can we make to prevent this from happening? I'm not saying I definitely prevent it like 100%, but there are things we could do in our life to try to prevent reoccurrence or any other disease processes.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if this is something that you encounter too, but Mm -hmm. a lot of times the patients that I was working with when I was at the cancer center, patients would have, I mean, weekly appointments with their oncology medical team multiple times throughout the week, all through treatment. And then once they were kind of, once they were declared disease-free, all those appointments stopped yep. and it was come back in six months or come back in a year. And a lot of times patients are very apprehensive about that. There's, I think there's a lot of fear so much fear. being kind of turned loose like that.
1: Yep. There's so much fear of everything. And I love Google. I love the internet. I mean, that's how I met you, which is awesome. But the internet is a scary place. And they're done with treatment. And now they're googling everything. What do I eat to prevent cancer? What do I do like all this stuff and the internet, you can find whatever you want to (laughs) find. Like if you want to find that ice cream cures cancer, I'm sure we could find an article that says that but they go through all of this they have the fear anything that's going on in their body if it's an ache in the head or a pain in the knee they are scared that it's cancer again and it's just the biggest i mean i i would too like you're just scared and then they're scared to call the doctor because they don't want to know and to follow up with a doctor a year from now or 6 months from now is a long time because you know you just never know what could happen in that time frame
0: yeah. What kind of side effects when you're working with a person who is done with cancer treatment, what kind of side effects are you addressing as part of your care plan for them?
1: Yeah, the biggest thing I hear, I think the number one side effect I hear is fatigue, that they are so tired, um, especially people, my breast cancer patients who went through radiation. Mm -hmm. uh, But fatigue is one of the biggest things um i hear even sometimes they still have the nausea and vomiting um some head and neck patients they can't swallow they you know they're so excited they're excited that they rang the bell that they're done with chemo or that they finished with radiation but it just doesn't end there the aftermath of the side effects linger so it could be not you know everyone is different on how long the side effects last but you know, a month or two, they could still be having the issue swallowing. Mm -hmm. Um, They could be having the fatigue and don't wanna get out of bed. And I think, you know, with fatigue, I think it's great for PT to get involved and help them. Um, I think it should be part of the survivorship care plan is going to PT. Mm -hmm. Um, So those are the two big ones that I see and weight gain. You know, most people think of um, cancer and they think cancer they're going to lose weight
0: Um, you read my mind i
1: was just going to talk about that yes (laughs) i get cancer i'm going to lose weight and unfortunately i'm not trying to make this funny or but some women are very excited that they're going to lose weight because they always wanted to lose the 20 pounds Mm -hmm. um and unfortunately this is not the way i want people to lose weight is because they're not eating and they're nauseous and vomiting Mm -hmm. but people who are going through chemo treatment for breast cancer sometimes i'm sorry to say but a side effect is weight gain not weight loss so they do gain weight from um the steroids that they're taking the medication or just eating whatever they want because the doctor said to eat whatever you want during treatment and they gain weight which is not a good thing for reoccurrence because The more weight we have, the more fat we have, the more estrogen it produces, and then it could rev up a tumor, you know, it could make things worse. So we don't want to gain weight. We want to lose our body fat um, to help with reoccurrence.
0: (laughs) I think as much as my patients, you know, they complain about fatigue, um, you know, and different side effects, I think one of the most bothersome impairments or okay. side effects that my patients talk about after treatment. So they're done with treatment, not mm-hmm. during treatment, but after treatment is that weight gain because I mean, I don't know the physiology behind it. This is something mm-hmm. I really want to know more about it, but my, my patients that I've worked with have had such a challenge losing that weight. It's like, it's, you know, and there, there's so much that goes into that. Can you talk a little bit more about what you do for patients who are, who have experienced that significant weight gain and want to then lose that fat mass.
1: Yeah, I mean, it all has to do with all the treatment that they're on. They're putting all these chemicals and everything in our body, um, which is not good, which affects all of our hormones, which is what, ha- you know, that's what helps with weight loss. Um, so we do want to eat healthy with it. We also want to make sure our gut is healthy. So probiotics are important. That's a whole other... Um, topic, but making sure our gut and our brain are healthy because the gut talks to the brain, the brain talks to the gut, and we need to make sure our gut is healthy. Um, So all of that has to do with um, trying to lose weight, even exercising, what we eat. You know, sometimes we're like, oh, well, I cut down and people cut down way too much on their calories. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to eat breakfast. I'm not going to eat lunch. I'm going to skip this meal you know that defeats the purpose of weight loss you need to eat to lose weight i know it's hard to imagine cuz we're like oh the more we eat we're going to gain weight but i had a i worked with a client the other day and she's like she had the realization she goes oh my god the more i eat the more i lose and i'm like yes <laughs> you got it but we need to eat the good stuff i'm not saying going out and eating you know, fast food or chocolate bars. We wanna eat good nutritious foods that give us energy, that give us um, the power to lose the weight and eating enough protein and fat. And I'm gonna say the C word, carbs. <laughs> like we need to eat them, we need to eat carbs. Um, Cause that could be part of the fatigue too, that you're not eating enough carbs. You're not mm-hmm. eating enough protein and that's why you're tired. Um, so, we need to eat a balanced diet.
0: <laughs> what are some of the kind of basic education principles that you are talking to patients about again and again? What are these, you know, common themes of information that you're providing to your clients?
1: You know, and I, and I thought it was basic, but it's really not. But what is a carb and what is protein? Like, a lot of patients don't know. You know, they think they do, but they really don't like I've had patients say, well, you're telling me to eat protein, but what foods have protein in it? So it's really going back to basics of knowing what good fats are, knowing what carbs are, knowing what proteins are, um, I think are important to start. Um, And also, I'm always talking about the plate, like just looking at your plate for a guide and figuring out what to eat or what your plate should look like you know, you go to a restaurant, let's say you go out for Italian food, most likely your plate is going to be full of pasta, chicken, if you get chicken parmesan, a chicken parmesan on it, but there's no vegetables, like you Mm -hmm. might get a salad on the side with white lettuce. um, But it's really going back to what our plate should look like. um, And having more vegetables, every meal, like people like I I need to eat that at every meal. Yes, it's not one time a day type of thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and people they don't know, you know, and when you actually write it down and see what you're eating throughout the day, it's um it it really opens your eyes to like, wow, I'm not eating enough, or oh, I'm eating way too much. Mm-hmm. And seeing how many fruits and vegetables you eat a day, because most people don't get what's suggested. I mean, they the recommendation it So they have the five-a-day program. So that's the minimum amount of fruits and vegetables we should eat a day. Mm -hmm. But really, we want to eat 8 to 12 servings of fruits and vegetables a day. Mm. And when I talk to clients and we're looking at what they're eating, and maybe they're getting one. Like, sometimes I'm lucky if there's one. So it's really trying to get back to basics, eating what is grown Um, eating real food and limiting the amount of processed foods. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: One of the things that, you know, even for me as a healthcare provider, eight to 12 servings sounds like a lot. Mm -hmm. How are you, what does that actually look like in a person's day of eating food?
1: Yeah. So every meal you want to have a fruit or a vegetable in it. And I really, push eating more vegetables than fruit Mm -hmm. Um, but so like in the morning let's take breakfast you could do an omelet and you could add two to three servings of vegetables in it so if you wanted to make a spinach and mushroom and onion omelet there you go you could have two servings right there Mm -hmm. if you wanted to do a smoothie maybe as a snack later you could add a few vegetables there um lunch if you wanted a sandwich with lettuce and tomato on it, there could be a serving. A snack in the afternoon, you could have some vegetables with some hummus. For dinner, if you wanted to have maybe a stir fry, a vegetable stir fry, I mean, that could be two to three servings. Mm -hmm. So, and then at night, if you wanted a snack. So it, when you sit and think about it, you need to eat to get all of that in that by skipping meals and you know, trying to cut calories that way, Mm -hmm. is not going to be beneficial. You're not going to be able to get in all those fruits and
0: vegetables. Yeah, the way you break it down, it actually sounds way more achievable. Yeah, no, that's like, oh, yeah, you just add a little here, add a little there to the stuff you're already eating. Right. I would love to talk a little bit about, because this is a theme that I'm sensing throughout this, when we're cutting out meals, when patients are cutting out meals, they're not, giving their bodies the opportunity to consume mm-hmm. those nutrients, those you know fruits right. and vegetables and other healthy foods that they need, as mm-hmm. we said, to power their day, but also to lose weight. So maybe this is a hot topic here. What do you think mm-hmm. about intermittent fasting?
1: Yeah, so I like it. I mean, it could be good, but during, like if you're doing intermittent fasting for eight hours, so let's just say you are eating from 12 at for noon to eight o'clock at night. You need to eat during those hours. So you got to get those calories in during the eight hours versus getting them in for the 12 hours. Ooh, okay. so you have to you have to eat. <laughs> it's the biggest thing. So if you wanted to do the intermittent intermittent fasting, go for it, but you just have to remember during those eight hours, you need to get the calories in. It's the same amount of calories. it's just in a smaller time frame.
0: Mm, Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. That's definitely not how I think a lot of people do it. So that's why I wanted to ask about that.
1: (laughs) They definitely don't. They cut out meals. They cut out calories. And the, the problem is, is that I don't think the scale is fair either because the number on the scale could move. So let's just say you're cutting out and you're eating one meal a day and you're losing weight, weight, whatever. But in the beginning, it could be water, but If you're not eating enough calories, our body is really smart and our bodies get energy. So if we're not eating enough and we're not getting enough calories to break down, what is the body gonna do? It's gonna start breaking down itself and it starts breaking down our muscle. Mm -hmm. And that is not a good, we wanna break down our muscle when we exercise and build it back, but we don't wanna our body to use muscle for energy to lose weight. So yes, your scale might be moving, but you're not losing fat, you're losing muscle, which we all know is not a good thing either, which could lead to fatigue and could lead to all this other stuff. So I always suggest to clients that if they are working out, I don't know if um, the PTs that you work with or you do, but if you do the body fat percent, for patients or even going to a personal trainer who specializes in oncology, whoever it is, but to get a percent of how much fat you have and how much muscle you have. Mm. That is a better indication of what's going on rather than just losing weight. So, you know, am I losing muscle or am I losing fat?
0: Right. Yeah. So I had access in my previous position I had access to a Sozo Impedimed. This is not an ad for them. I'm just letting you know what I had access to. But you could do a scan with that that would give you a breakdown of basically I think it was I think it broke it into fat mass, fat free mass. Mm-hmm. I might be misquoting that. But there was some kind of a breakdown of different kinds of tissue. How can we as physical therapists you know what is that calculation or how do we determine percent body fat?
1: I know they have the calipers that if you didn't have a fancy machine, you could always do the the calipers. It's mean to do, it's like, I've done it. I've done the machines where you hold it and it tells you your body fat and all that, but the calipers are great. You pull your fat, get it away from the bone, get it away from the muscle and do a percentage like that. But you know, it's, human error too, just because if me and you do it to the same person, your number might be a little different than mine, Mm because you might be a little bit more aggressive than me, and really pull because you're a PT and you're fine touching people, I probably would be nicer and just, but the number could be different. But you're getting an you're getting an idea of how much muscle someone has or how how much fat someone has. It's better than a scale because a scale you don't know at all. You just know a number.
0: Right. That's a really good point. And I think especially, and this is is a theme that has been emerging over the past few podcast episodes, not so much intentionally, but I think it's really good to emphasize. Mm -hmm. Our patients are already at such a risk of losing muscle mass, even though they might be gaining weight Mm -hmm. during their cancer journey. Unfortunately, we know that muscle mass can go down. And so it's really critical that we're maintaining muscle mass and then hopefully improving it. Um, and so I'm, I'm really glad that you hit on that, Stacy, because mm-hmm. that's something that is extremely detrimental for our patients. I've talked about a particular patient in the mm-hmm. past who, I mean, it was, it was exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, just absolutely critical that we're really maintaining that muscle mass and not losing it at the expense of potentially gaining fat mass, for example.
1: Yeah, but, you know, we're all just obsessed with the number on the scale, even the doctors are, and that's all patients want is the number on the scale to move. And it's like, yeah, but, you know, you need to look at the big picture too, you know, look at what you're doing. Like if you are exercising five days a week and working out and lifting weights and the number's not moving, but you have to look at how do you feel, you know, how are your clothes fitting? Just because the number on the scale might not be moving, but you might be losing fat and gaining muscle, but your pants are getting bigger and your shirt's getting bigger, but the number's not moving just because it's not that muscle weighs more, a pound is a pound, but muscle is more dense than fat. So, Mm -hmm. you know, you have to look at it that way too. Fine. The number's not moving, but- You know, you got a little bulge in the arm and your legs are, you know, you're starting to see your your leg muscles. So you have to look at that too. Yeah. just the number.
0: (laughs) Yeah, and I think we're very conditioned to look at the number too. I think it's very easy. I mean, how many appointments do patients go to where they're weighed? I mean- Every single one. I'm sure everyone, yeah. (laughs) every
1: single appointment and they're the doctors are looking at that. The doctors are looking at BMIs. Like I have a doctor that I work with who sends every patient who has a BMI over 25 to us, which is good, mm-hmm. but you know, some of them are working out. Some of them are eating healthy. Right. The BMI isn't an indicator, like
0: right.
1: a indicator.
0: Absolutely. So. <laughs> Yeah, BMI, unfortunately, there there are flaws in BMI. <laughs> yeah. What does a typical session look like when you're working with a patient?
1: Yeah, so I like to go through what they're eating throughout the day, go through that, go through their sleep habits. How are they sleeping? How are they feeling? Um, and I, I'm also, I went to culinary school, so I have a cooking background. Okay. So I love... <laughs> Not just talking about food. I love talking about cooking and how to make things healthier and what to cook and what to make. um. Just because that is the challenge. I don't have time to cook or I don't have the money, which is now a big thing. You know, yes. food's more expensive. Meat's more expensive. What do I eat now? So trying to figure out ways of what they like, because I'm not the, I'm definitely not the dietitian to give you a meal plan and say, here, follow this, um, just because it doesn't work. People don't follow it. And you should enjoy what you're eating. If I have a meal plan that's full of all tofu, and you don't like tofu, you're not going to follow it or eat it. Neither will I because I can't stand it. (laughs) But you know what, everyone has different tastes. So I love working with them to figure out different meal ideas and recipes so they could be, you know, live life and not be on a diet all the time and not Feel like they could go out with their friends, especially now with the holiday season, everyone's going out to eat and going to parties, like figuring out ways you can enjoy the parties Mm -hmm. without, you know, breaking the scale or (laughs) gaining weight, but enjoying it and not feeling that you have to be left out because you think you can't go out to eat anymore. Yeah. Uh, So that's one of my biggest things that I work with clients on.
0: Mm -hmm. I know we talked about this at the beginning of the episode, but I'm curious how this kind of relates in. When you're working with patients, how does their maybe fear of recurrence, Mm -hmm. how does that change?
1: The fear decreases because sometimes they come to me with a list of foods that they can't eat anymore because of a family member, what they read on Google, Mm -hmm. you know, all these things. They have a list of foods that they're not allowed to eat anymore. So by working with a dietitian and, figuring out like, yeah, certain things you can eat. We just don't want you to eat big amounts of it or tons of it. Um, So their fear decreases and that they're able to live life and enjoy food again, instead of living in fear of everything, thinking that everything's gonna cause cancer again. And, you know, one of the things is, is that one food does not cause cancer. One food is not going to cure cancer like I've seen and I've gotten emails not going to mention names, but lemons, there was three or four emails about how lemon cures cancer. And I'm like, lemon in general is not going to cure cancer. You know, it's a whole diet thing. I wish, trust me, I wish lemons did cure cancer. I'd be so rich. I mean, we'd all we wouldn't have this issue. But unfortunately, one food's not going to cure it. One food's mm-hmm. not going to cause it either. So, you know, they're scared to eat sugar.
0: Oh, my gosh, yes. Sugar is the
1: biggest, one of the biggest ones. I can't eat sugar. Sugar causes cancer. Sugar feeds the cancer cells. Mm-hmm. Um, but eating a cookie or eating a piece of cake is not going to make the cancer come back. Enjoy your piece of cake. Enjoy it. <laughs> and then, you know, the next meal, eat healthy but I don't want people to live in fear of food. And yeah, of course, cookies, cakes, candy, it's not good for any of us. I mean, it's empty calories. There's no nutrition to it, but you don't want to deprive yourself because if you keep telling yourself things that you can't eat, I can't eat sugar. I can't eat carbs. I can't eat soy. I can't eat this. Um, you're going to think about it and want it. You might do it for a day or two, maybe a week, but then eventually you're just going to be like I'm done. Screw this. I'm going to eat it and you're going to overindulge in it. But if you gave yourself the opportunity to eat it during the week, you wouldn't have that binge of overindulging. Mm-hmm.
0: I think that goes for everybody personally anyway, cuz I'm definitely too. one of those people. <laughs> me too. I've
1: done it. I'm like, "Okay, I'm not going to eat this anymore." And it's like then I'm like, "Forget it. I want I want it. I'm going to eat it. And you can, there's nothing wrong with it. It's what's going on in this society of all these diets.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like mm-hmm. Everything could fit. You know, there are some people say, Oh no, you have to eat it. But it's not true. You know, once you tell someone you can't do something with anything, you can't like telling a child, Oh, you can't play with that toy. What are they going to want to do? They're only going to want to play with that toy. Mm-hmm. So, if you have it in your head that like, I can eat everything, I can eat bread, I can eat pasta, you're not going to overindulge in it or binge mm-hmm. on it.
0: Yeah. What would you say are some of the common myths or misconceptions that clients and patients come into you with that you have to work to bust? Sugar
1: is number one. hmm Soy, especially with the breast cancer patients. Ooh, Um, okay. Soy is another one. Um, The alkaline diet is another one. Um, What else is there? The lemon, that if you drink the lemon water and eat lemons, um, those are all the ones that I hear almost on a daily basis.
0: Mm -hmm. Do you encounter individuals who come in with supplements that they have been recommended that will prevent their cancer, that will cure their cancer.
1: Yes, supplements. I mean, even a personal story is that my mother-in-law had cancer and she read in a book, I won't mention the guy's name, but um, about cranberries, um, that cranberries will cure cancer. Well, we all went to her house for something and this woman had 50 bags of cranberries in her freezer because it was on sale because it was going to help <laughs> it was cheaper um but it was going to cure the cancer so she was adding um cranberries to everything um supplements up the kazoo and you know mm-hmm. what supplements could be good and bad i'm not mm-hmm. i'm not knocking it um there's not one supplement that's going to cure cancer, but mm-hmm. you know you have to be careful with the supplements that you're taking, how much you're taking of it. My only issue—I mean, I have some issues with supplements, but the issue is is that you don't know what's really in it. You know, you have to make sure you're getting a quality supplement that a third party is coming into and checking it. Um, just because vitamin C, let's take that one for example, it could say that it's a thousand milligrams of vitamin C in it who knows it could be a thousand it could be 10,000 it could be nothing it could be just a sugar pill nobody knows because they're if you're not buying it from a quality company mm-hmm. you don't know what's really in it so you want to be careful it's better to get your vitamins from food um but like we were saying before you know it's hard to get eight to 12 servings of fruits and vegetables in every day mm-hmm. So sometimes supplements do come in handy and can help with making sure you're getting everything but yeah supplements people it's it's friends telling someone with cancer oh you should take this supplement so it's not like they're even getting a recommendation from an integrative medicine doctor or their mm-hmm. doctor it's just some random joe schmo who's telling them or even i'm um, in a lot of chat group, uh chat rooms or groups on Facebook and people ask questions in the groups and I think it's great to get support from others mm-hmm. but when others are giving you recommendations of supplements they don't know what's going on with you they don't know your background like you can't just take a supplement because someone else said it worked for them we're all individual. Like we all have different issues. Not one supplement that is going to help me is going to help you. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. really working with a professional to know which supplements you should be taking and not taking. Mm -hmm. And we shouldn't really be telling patients to take supplements either. You know, you want them to run it by their doctor. I mean, but it's, they should have a doctor, maybe an integrative medicine doctor who knows about supplements and Mm -hmm. vitamins Um, just because Doctors don't know. So the safest answer to say is don't take it. Um, But sometimes it could be beneficial. So having them go to an integrative medicine doctor or, Mm -hmm. you know, a professional who understands supplements is helpful.
0: I think the key here is professional um, and actually (laughs) someone who really understands it. There's I've over the last year, I think I've just been more uh, um, aware, but there are a lot of unfortunately really predatory Uh, efforts and campaigns out there and Mm -hmm. products of, you know, Oh, it'll, this cures my cancer. Like this took me from, you know, dying of cancer to now it's like, they're, it's so unfortunate because unfortunately I think people really latch on to hope they want hope. And it's, it's really, it's, it's very distressing to me to see, because even I'm personally starting to see different healthcare providers who don't understand nutrition who don't understand cancer treatment truly mm-hmm. who have no business of prescribing or recommending supplements now doing so and it just it makes my it makes my just my whole body cringe yeah
1: and i think everyone should stick to what they know like you know pt stick with pt right i nutrition i stick with nutrition i'm not going to give people suggestions on exercise or what they should do for their arm pain like I could really hurt someone. Same thing with nutrition. You could really hurt someone by telling them to eat something that maybe you might not realize. Like maybe they have kidney issues and they shouldn't be eating high protein. And now you're recommending a 50-gram protein shake for them to Mm -hmm. drink. I mean, that could be very dangerous. So it's, but everyone, you know, you have all these MLM companies recommending supplements and You know, some people are better than others and really, you know, see if it's right for that person. But other people are just looking to make a buck. You know, Mm -hmm. CBD oils. I love CBD oil. I sell CBD oil. I think it's great. But it's not for everyone. It's for certain people. Like You have to see, you know, what their background is and just, Mm -hmm. you know, but just saying, oh, this supplement is great for anyone with cancer. You really have to. Everyone just needs to stick to their what they know. Yeah, but we should all support each other. And it's just, mm-hmm. you know, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I think that's part of it is, you know, when something is and we learn this in school, when something is outside of our scope, mm-hmm. we refer, you right. know, I, again, I was very fortunate. There is one oncology registered dietitian that I know of in my area. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, that's the only one I found so far. Maybe there's mm-hmm. others. I just don't know where they are. But you have created a community and a, mm-hmm. and a program in which people can come and ask these questions and really debunk these myths, these misunderstandings so that they can have a more supported nutrition journey after cancer treatment. Can you talk a little bit about that, Stacy?
1: Yeah, so I created a group I have on Facebook. I have a group um, where it's just a free group. I post recipes, um, but it's the Cancer Fighting Kitchen, which is a great group of people Um, But then I started different um, programs for them. So I have Mm -hmm. a small little program where it's a support group. We meet twice a month. They have access to a nutrition library that I keep putting information in. So they get recipes and they get cheat sheets and they get handouts just to help support them. Whatever questions they have, they could bring to that group. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I have the Cancer Thriver Method, which is going to start in January, which is a course that they could take a 12 week course with videos, they have access to me. And also we have weekly sessions to go over the information just so they have support and have a professional to answer their questions versus asking um, Google. And I'm also on Instagram all the time, putting up posts about different um, nutrition and that's the cancer.nutrition.coach. Um, it's a mouthful, but I love being there. Like I love Instagram, I love educating people, and like I said before, I love food. So I love talking about recipes and um things that are easy to make, that aren't gonna take time, that's not gonna be a thousand ingredients because we're not gonna do it. Mm
0: -hmm. Um,
1: so yeah, I love because it is like we said before, you know, patients are just thrown to the wind and saying, Okay go, go fly and they need the help. They need the support and they need support of others of who went through this, Mm -hmm. you know? So they know that they're not alone there. You know, there are support groups out there, um, but they do need support of others.
0: Yeah. Where can people uh, find you on the internet?
1: So I have a website. It is, um, oh my God. My website is flavorfullifestyle.com. Ooh, I had a brain fart there. It's early. Um, so flavorfullifestyle.com is my website. On Instagram, I am cancer dot coach. Um, and I'm also on Facebook, the cancer um cancer fighting kitchen.
0: Yay. So, yeah. That's awesome. And I will link to all of those in the show notes um, so you can go back and find those y'all. And Stacey, of course, I'll tag you in the social media posts coming out. As Mm -hmm. as we wrap up today's episode, what would you like to leave my audience with Mm -hmm. about this topic?
1: I think that if you answer basic questions from patients, but if they do have bigger questions, just send them to a professional doesn't have to be me but i'm just saying send them to someone who specializes in it i love what you guys do i just want to let you know i love pt i recommend my clients for pt because i think it is so helpful Mm -hmm. i have my husband in pts (laughs) pt therapy nutrition i think you know it's all needed for people Um, But yeah, just leave it to the professionals and do what you do best.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. We know, like, we know the physical, we know the movement exercise side of things. So let's lean into that. And then work, like you said, Stacey, let's work together so we Mm -hmm. can ultimately support the patient holistically here.
1: Yep. Give them what they need because they do need it. They do need support. And that's what I found with a lot of these patients. It's just, they want someone to talk to. They just sometimes they don't want answers. They just want someone to listen to them and fetch to and just complain to and just let them know what's going on and their fears and just listening to them is what they need. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm. That's good stuff. Mm -hmm. Stacey, thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. I really, really appreciate your time and all the wisdom and knowledge that you've shared with us today.
1: Thank you for having me. This was so much fun. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Onco PT podcast. For more episodes visit the oncopt.com.